Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? I think today we can say the same thing about Weatherman. But anyway, my name is John Keeley, and this is the 524th show of ROI. Our noted guest for today's show is artist Gabby Torres, who's going to talk to us about themes to focus balance and connectivity to ourselves and the natural world. Joining us for the second segment of the show will be our history buffs, Brett Menard and Jay Swords. To begin with, welcome to the show, Gabby. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, We're thrilled to have you here. We call the first segment of our show Fadruk Danarin. And our goal is to give our listeners a little background on today's subject. So can you start us off with some of the basic information on abstract painting and why you are so passionate about it? And let's expand it. Why are others so passionate about it? Well, I think, well, so I am an abstract artist and um, I've been, I started off actually as a poet. So I got my MFA in poetry from the New School University in New York City and um, I did that for several years, and then when I was writing my last manuscript, I it was just becoming more of a slog, and I found it to be just much more difficult to do. So I took up painting as sort of a counter um, to writing poetry as a way to sort of remember why I started like making art in the first place, because it felt so good to make paintings. And so when I would be writing my manuscript, I try to have like almost that emotional muscle memory of like, oh, what does it feel like when I'm painting and I'm not even worried about whether what I'm making is good or bad and I'm just making something for the joy of it. And that's actually how I began painting. And then I finished the manuscript and was really happy with it. But then I realized like I just, I didn't, at this time in my life, I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And so I kind of focused fully on visual art and creating these abstract pieces. And I think um, something for me that I've noticed with abstract art is that it's, um, I always tell people when I've done some workshops and classes that I feel like making abstract art is a real act of courage. And I think making all art is a real act of courage. But for me, the reason I find it courageous to create abstract art is that when, at least when I do it, I don't necessarily have an end point in mind. And so there really is like a lot of trust and a lot of sort of faith in just the process itself of like putting paint to canvas. And you have to let go of a lot of your stuff in order to be able to to create the painting and to have that trust in yourself to know when to step away and, and know when it's done. And um, And so I think that's, why people enjoy making abstract art. A lot of other abstract artists I've talked to have expressed those similar sentiments. And then in terms of just like audience, I think people are, I think people love the opportunity to have their own interpretation on something. And so I just, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I see this particular thing in your painting, or I see this animal. And, or people will be like, oh, I feel these feelings when I look at your work. And so, um, I kind of think that's the attraction of abstract art, honestly, is just the 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 openness of it and that it allows people to see what it is they, they feel or what they want to see in your work. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't think I put that into a historical context, but 
There's you don't have an to. For you. <laughs> you don't have to. Oh, now, talking about the <laughs> issue of the manuscripts, three individuals here, we've all wrote masters. So we totally understand oh. that when you came to the last page of doing that last manuscript, you're like, I am done. Don't other, our, my co-host, yes. my co-host, his uh, thesis was 31 pages long. <laughs> Do not listen to him. But anyway, Brett minds were much longer. <laughs> but uh, it, ash, the aspect of abstract art, because um, I've always been fascinated by art as well. When people look at abstract, of course, there's, and I agree with you 100% about courage because you're trying to present something that the normal everyday eye rarely sees. Um, it has a lot of resentment. You have people that I think, and I've heard it a million times, instantly write it off. But I had some friends of mine that were really good at it, and they said what gave them their drive for doing it wasn't just like you said its own interpretation but how it kind of reflects and interprets with time itself or do you follow that theory as well absolutely absolutely i think that that's kind one of the most fascinating parts of abstract art is that it is also it this relationship with time and the interpretation can can change as time passes um you know, and I even find that in, in work that I've done where, you know, I might have been in a certain part in my place in my life and creating some this work. And then I go back to it and it feels totally different to me because I'm in a different place or time has passed. So, um, yeah, it is. It's people I definitely still have heard like, oh, you know, my kids can do that. But then when I teach a course or do a workshop and people are like, this is so incredibly difficult. Like, how do you do this all the time? So, um yeah. And another aspect from the factor of time is, again, uh, I've had friends of mine that do it, and when they're talking time, it's like it's a, uh engine barreling down a train track at, like, 5,000 miles mm-hmm. an hour, and they're doing everything they can to capture that um, on the canvas. And then, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. other times, it seems like it's millennium long, and, and I'm intrigued by both. Because they're so different yes. and they're so amazing that they could perceive these things yeah. that the average person can't do it in every day. Yeah, I it's a, I definitely have pieces where it's just very like it's explosive, it's immediate, it is that particular moment, and it is like a train barreling down the tracks. And then I have these other more meditative and contemplative pieces that will just take like ages and ages and ages, and it's literally like you know, laying down the first layers and then like lots of cups of coffee or tea and like staring at it, adding a thing and then looking at it some more. And so um, both are, I love both kinds of work and, um, and it's just, it's fun to see response to both of those pieces, like different styles as well. And it's just so odd because I, I do have like, that's, that's my sort of my spectrum or really it's just not even a spectrum. It's a pendulum. I'm either like, Rothko inspired large scale meditative pieces, or I have these like side Twombly, like just massive explosive marks on a canvas. You know, it looks like there was a tornado on the canvas and then I'm done. So, but both, 
but I feel like we're both those things. Like as people, we have those experiences. So I liked your current metaphor and how you described that. It works very well with our <laughs> daily situation here. We have a lot more right. to talk about. So if you please stay tuned, we'll be back in our next segment of the show. This is ROI and KALA San Ambrose University. In times of joy, in moments of grief, broadcasters come through even when all else fails. Today, with more ways than ever to experience the moments that transform our lives, Americans still choose broadcast radio and television more than all other media combined. We are the local broadcasters of radio and television, reaching more people, touching more lives. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hello and welcome back to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley, and this is the second segment of our show, which is referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is artist Gabby Torres, who is talking to us about themes to focus balance and connectivity to ourselves in the natural world. Our history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Jay Swords. Brett, why don't you start us off? Gladly. So if someone is not familiar with or, or comfortable with abstract art, where do you recommend like dipping a toe in the water to to sort of get a sense of it? Uh, do you mean like maybe them actually participating in and creating abstract art, or maybe just a, an introduction to abstract art? Probably an like, introduction to abstract art. Although either of those answers would be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like. And and I might be just super partial to Roscoe because he's one of my greatest influences and my first favorite artist. But I just find his pieces to be very accessible, and um, and people I think is a that's a great introduction to looking at something that is abstract. Um, and and although I think he's technically like a color field artist, he's still considered abstract. So. Um, and, you know, I feel like that's a great starting place for people who might feel otherwise like this isn't for me or I just don't get it. Like those paintings are just there's something so special and beautiful about Rothko pieces that are inviting for everybody. Like um, I also would say in terms of starting an abstract piece or if, if someone was just like dipping their toe into possibly creating one, um, I started off with watercolors in like tiny pieces of paper because really um, firstly watercolors are just they have such an ethereal and beautiful quality to them water does most of the work anyway and so it kind of naturally becomes really pretty and you don't have to do a lot and it's really just becoming comfortable with like putting pigment onto a substrate and having fun with it and seeing what it does Um, I think both of those are like you know, would be great introductions to either looking at a piece of abstract art and or participating in trying your hand at making your own abstract art. Jay. So 
our our theme here is talking about connecting with the natural world and and I think it's a it's a natural and a reasonable question to ask how can a piece of abstract art which is by its nature abstract connect to connect to a natural world which is by its nature very concrete how how do we make yeah. that connect how do we use one to connect to the other so for me that's a fabulous question and um and I'm surprised you're actually the first person who's ever asked me that. I guess people are like, okay, well, that's what she does. We'll take her word for it. But um, so I am, when I create my pieces, a lot of times I'm using what I've observed in nature um, in a lot of different ways and putting, incorporating that into the piece. So for example, I find a lot of like my colors that I use um, are inspired by just being out in the woods and walking and seeing what, you know, because the, the nature has the best palette in the world. And a lot of times colors that you don't think would go together are totally perfect together. But I wouldn't have thought that unless I saw that out in nature itself. And I'm also really inspired by like just compositions. I'll see like the natural compositions of the juxtaposition of like, the horizontal land versus like the trees or things that are quite vertical. Um, and so for me, being able to interpret that, celebrate that in a painting is one way that I achieve that connectivity um, to the natural world. The other thing I'm really, that I find so fascinating about nature is that it's just, you know, it is always striving towards balance. That's what it does. It's always recalibrating. And so I, I, and there are so many like disparate parts in nature, but in somehow they all achieve this harmony or are striving towards that harmony. And I think that's something that we lack in our lives. Things are so compartmentalized and so, again, disparate. And I, I sort of was like getting really stressed out by that and, and thinking that I had all these parts that had nothing to do with each other. And then I realized they had one connective thread and tissue, which was me. And so, in fact, they were all able, you know, if I can find harmony and balance and sort of honor all of these different parts of myself and my experience, that I would have a much more balanced life. And again, that comes observing nature and seeing that happen in the natural world um, every day, every season, every year. Um, Okay, so I'm going to go on the counter-argument with my colleague here. Now, he says, like, you know, nature and science is concrete, but I teach a class on modernization, and humans, as kind of what you are saying before, we have this obsession with standardizing everything. And when people look at nature, they'll say, okay, the stream is that long and that deep, and that this much water goes out per minute, blah, blah, blah. Or you're talking about the forest is this many acreages and so forth. So, But when I go out to nature, humans, as you said, compartmentalize, and we try to standardize. But like when you're out with nature, it gives so many wonderful hints of abstraction when you're in that place and the leaves mm -hmm. happen to be blowing in a certain way and the wind has a unique sound and you're seeing kind of a prism of how things are going i agree that yes we tend to put it into a scientific um, study many times but i think nature's abstraction in itself also gives so many introductions to great ideas 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. I think, you know, if I'm being honest, my best ideas come from when I'm out in nature and just sort of kind of letting myself observe all of those different aspects of it and just be feel connected to it. And it's, uh, those are the moments where I have my best ideas, my aha moments. Okay, Brett. So Jay talked about the, the natural world. Can you talk to us a little bit more about um, connectivity to ourselves? Is that where the individual interpretations uh, come into play? Or um, are you looking at it some other way? I think that's where, you know, I guess for me, so kind of just touching on what we just finished talking about, when I'm out, in, like going for a hike or just going for a walk and observe, allowing myself to just get out of my own head and just observe what's going on around me and observe nature, um, I actually feel this connection to myself in a way I don't really have anywhere else. And I try to recreate that when I'm in my art studio. That's the other place where I get close to that same feeling. And, and it's kind of interesting because that connection to myself comes as a result of feeling very connected to everything else around me and feeling part of something greater. And so I hope that in my paintings, when people are, you know, if they go and see them or have one that they want for their home or whatever it might be, that they're also, that I'm able to capture that feeling and be and able to put that in paint onto a canvas. And that can maybe spark that same feeling in someone that they're looking at this painting and feeling connected. And they might not have a word for it. They might be able to explain it, but just, there's something there that makes them feel connected to that piece of artwork, to something bigger than themselves or outside of themselves that in turn makes them feel more like themselves, if that makes sense. Have you done pieces where you have um, the abstract elements of nature having direct confrontation with um, humanity and its standard of living? Have you done pieces like that where they're like going head to head with each other? Because, I mean, that happens all the time. I hate to say it. When we build a new building in an area that was a, a wonderful meadow and we destroy it, I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere, and it, it's happening more and more. Just even, you know, I'm like a born and bred Iowan. I was born and raised in Clinton, Iowa, and I left for several years and just moved back to the area in like 2016, 2017. And I was just start, you know, like I was so startled to see how many of these meadows and even like and and farmlands even that have now become like subdivisions and different developments. And and I I know progress in many ways is probably necessary and good for the economy. But also I'm like, my heart just hurts when I see those places just become, you know, become lost. Um, I, I, I think I've had pieces that are speaking, like I had a series of, of paintings where I incorporated the threads from the canvas itself and I would adhere them to the, and they, they almost would, I'd work in these two quadrants and they were almost like stretching towards each other. And the threads were like kind of reaching towards one another from the upper right-hand corner and the low, and sort of in in 
it was this attempt, you know, trying to find that middle ground. Where is that compromise? Where is that balance? Um, that's probably the closest I've come to that. Um, but I haven't done anything more direct than that, probably because I just, I don't know, it would maybe be a little bit of a heartbreak for me to try. But I mean, there's plenty of time. Who knows? It could be down, could be in my future later on. Yep. Jay. So I have kind of a two-part question, and you can feel free to ignore whichever part doesn't seem to work for you. <laughs> um, so I just got a op- wonderful opportunity to go up to the uh, Chicago uh, Museum of Art and see the Sal- Salvador Dali exhibit that, that just opened there. And to me, as an untrained non-artist, uh, Dali seems extremely abstract, and so I'm wondering how how wide does the the definition of abstract art go? Does it go far enough? Now he certainly didn't call himself that that I've ever read, um, but it sure seems to me that way. Uh, and then my second question, which kind of ties to that, is more philosophical. In that in philosophy, we've been arguing for millennium uh, whether art is is something that can be quantified or if it is simply an opinion. And so I'm just going to ask you, which side of the of the equation do you come down on? Is art what I like, or is there actually, can you make real arguments that this is good art or bad art? Hmm. Both good questions. So I'm going to try and see if I can tackle both. I would also consider him abstract, although I believe technically he's a surrealist. Correct. Although I guess for me, when I think of abstract, obviously... Pollock, of course, Joan Mitchell, you know, just the New York abstract expressionists definitely come to mind where it's less representational. And like you wouldn't even see, you wouldn't even be able to say, oh, that's a person or a teapot or anything, you know, because it is just like colors and marks on canvas. So that's kind of an answer to your first question. I guess in reference to the second question, I mean, I think art is very subjective. I mean, and there's no denying that, you know, and I, I do believe it primarily, it is subjective. That being said though, I do feel like there is a certain something that makes a a piece good or great. And, um, and I wouldn't necessarily be able to say exactly what that is. I think composition and a good sense of composition has a lot to do with it. Um, I feel composition is so important in painting and is really what um, allows you, if you have a good sense and handle of composition, you basically have this entire language at your disposal that you can utilize to communicate. Um, And so I think good paintings have a definite handle on color and composition because those are their tools. That's the language they're using. And you have to be, you have to be really comfortable and have a really real good foundation in that, I think, to, to make good work. Brett. That's just my opinion. Okay. Right. <laughs> no problem. No, Brett. <laughs> so at the beginning of this conversation, you talked about uh, having the experience uh, in the gallery where you, people would come up to uh, a piece and go, oh, my kid could do it. So how do you respond to that? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have them come to my studio. <laughs> you can try, too. 
you're too polite. Listen, if you look at the dad, the ch- child isn't that talented. What are you talking about? No. <laughs> but there we go. You, you don't have to be nice. You know, yeah. What's what's the old joke? Um, honestly, though. <laughs> no, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, 30, uh, 30 monkeys typing uh, perpetually can produce a Shakespearean uh, play. Right. Yeah, right. if you so have make, several million yeah. years to work with. <laughs> Right. With those same 30 monkeys, yeah, you might have a shot. Right, right. You might get a sonnet. <laughs> okay. Exactly. It is customary that we give our guests last words on our show. Gabby, why do you think knowing about how art can impact both individuals um, and their larger community is relevant in today's world? I think that we are at a point historically. I think that we are at a point right now with our in our society where art is becoming more essential than ever. I think it's so, so necessary. We There's so much turmoil um, that is happening constantly, a barrage of, like, terrible news, terrible traumas that communities are experiencing all over. And um, I think it is natural and essential at this moment that we turn to art to help us make sense of things, to help us process, but also to help us unify again and be working towards uh, a goal of hope and of possibility. Um, that's if I can leave, if I can leave on a last word, I think I would leave with that. Okay. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KALA, St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM. You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. This series is produced at St. Ambrose University's KALA Radio and has been honored by the Midwest Broadcast Journalists Association and the Iowa Broadcast News Association for excellence in public affairs journalism. You can hear this edition of ROI and many previous programs in this series by visiting Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, plus Apple Podcasts. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2. This concludes the 524th show of ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme, which was written and performed by Mark Zap Zaptel. My name is John Keeley. We would like to thank our noted guest, Gabby Torres, who talked to us about the themes to focus balance and connectivity to ourselves and the natural world. The history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Jay Swords. This is ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all our listeners to experience the great Basutu proverb, Chotso Pula Nala, peace, reign, and prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night.